Paul, a New Old Testament prophecy, being a, a rabbinical student and a Pharisee, uh, and uh, toward the end of his life, in 2 Timothy, uh, his last letter, uh, he wrote these words uh, describing what it would be like prior to the return of Christ. Um, and so he took what he knew about Old Testament prophecy uh, and based on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote these words. He says, but realize this, that in the last days, which is a code word for the end of time, difficult times will come. He then begins to describe what those times would be like. Uh, For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, They would hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. How does Paul say you should treat those kind of people? Avoid such men as these. For among them are there are those who enter households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. He says, just as Janus and Jambres, the the magicians or sorcerers of Pharaoh, opposed Moses, so these men also oppose what? Truth. What truth? Uh, This is where the article, the, is very important. Uh, Not a truth, but the truth. Men of depraved mind uh, rejected as regards the faith. Uh, And so uh, when you you look at the world in which you live, which I've been looking at it since I became a Christian in 1967, uh, analyzing the world, um, you're watching things occur now that were prophesied to happen. So you should not be shocked, and you should not be fearful, Uh, You should be hopeful uh, because these are just signs that the Lord is coming back. And so you should be energized in your faith. But we all can see, uh, as you you look at what Paul prophesies here, uh, you can take this as a template. And this is much what you see on a given, given day in our world. People oppose truth. And when people oppose truth and take untruths and try to make them truth, uh, you don't have utopia, you have dystopia. And it's the world in which we live. be a person, uh, as Paul was in his day and time, and stand for truth and see how your uh, culture responds to you. You will not be accepted. You'll probably be canceled in some form or manner. You might be yelled at, screamed at, made fun of, etc. But Paul is a man uh, who stood for truth because at the end of time, he says they're going to reject truth. So I always wondered as a young man, how do you get all kinds of extremely educated people to follow after the Antichrist? I mean, how does that happen? How do they reject truth in mass? You're watching how that happens. How do you respond to it is the question. I've been asking myself this for several years. Like what now? Because I know what the scriptures say, but like what now? What does God want from me as a man, as a Christian, uh, as a pastor? What does he want from you? Uh, what does he think that you need to know to equip you to stand strong when the days are tough? Because you have, you have some options. You can either stand or stoop. You hear me? You can stand. I can tell you the way what Paul did. He was courageous, as we're going to see in Thessalonians. He stood when many would stoop uh, in fear. He did not. And so when you look at how to be an effective Christian in, in, a, in the time that is prophesied to be a time of great trouble, uh, how do you lead in an effective life that uh, is full of hope and has joy about it? Oh, First Thessalonians is going to equip you to, to be that kind of Christian who can stand courageously and uh, not only individually, but corporately. How do we do this as a church? And so what we want to do is uh, delve into this great book that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. Uh, it's two, two epistles. Uh, but before we do it, we need to do background study so you understand the book. So today is just introduction to the book. We'll get in, we'll, in fact, it's just it's one 
chapter one, verse one. And that's as far as we're gonna get. No, that's not shocking to any of you. Um, but we're gonna do a little bit of background study before we dive into uh, chapter one, verse one, uh, and following in great detail. So I wanna go through background questions. And there's many we could ask, but since time is limited, this, here's a few that we need to know about. Number one, who wrote the book? This is a really easy answer because the verse one tells you who wrote the book. Paul. Okay, we're done. We can move on to the next point. But there's more to say. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church uh, of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He wishes two things to them. One, grace and peace. And notice they always come in that order. Because when you understand the grace of Jesus that, he's, that he died to save you from your sin and you accept him as Savior and he forgives you of your sin, you experience that grace, you have shalom. You have peace. The peace doesn't come before the grace. And so he says, as, I, as a pastor of your church uh, who planted your church, I want two things for you. Uh, I want to see grace abound in your church uh, and peace. These are the two things that the world needs to see in our church. Gracious Christians who understand the grace of Christ uh, and from that uh, sinners find peace. But it's easy to say who wrote the book. So who wrote the book? Paul did. He had two sidekicks. Their names were Silvanus and Timothy. Uh, there's more information in the book, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, verse 18, to build my case, who wrote the book, says, for we, uh, be Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, yet Satan thwarted us. So who wrote the book? Paul wrote the book. He just said so there. Uh, and so when you look at this particular book, it is called an epistle. An epistle is just a fancy word in Greek for a letter or a dispatch written to somebody. Uh, Paul wrote 13 epistles in the New Testament. 13 letters uh, are pinned by his hand. Um, they all start with the book of Romans, uh, and they end with the book of Philemon. Uh, Paul was a prolific writer, uh, and we can classify his writings in various ways. So I'm going to give you a tour of how to classify Pauline literature. You ready? And you thought you left school behind. Uh, welcome to school, uh, God's training ground for saints. So I want to give you a couple of charts. Um, grouping Paul's epistle. These are possible thematic arrangements. So num uh, group one, you could, you could classify them as the end-time epistles or the eschatology epistles. So that'd be first and second Thessalonians. Their emphasis is on the end time. How should a Christian live in light of the fact Jesus is gonna return at any moment? Which really leads to the question, if Jesus was gonna come today about one o'clock, would you be ready? Would you be ready? Uh, that's group one. Group uh, two, the salvation documents, Galatians through second Corinthians. Group three, the Christological documents about Christ. Colossians, Philemon, Ephesians, Philippians, etc. And their group four are the ecclesiastical documents, be first and second Timothy and Titus. That's like how to run a church, how to shepherd a church, uh, who are deacons, deaconesses, etc. That, that's those books. Uh, so that's one possible arrangement, but there's more. There's another way to arrange his books. Chart number two. Uh, you could arrange them based upon his imprisonments because he was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. So the, before his first imprisonment would be first Thess and second Thessalonians through the book of Romans. Then during his first imprisonment where he's chained to a, a, a Roman soldier as he identifies in Ephesians um, uh, as he writes would be Colossians through Philippians. Uh, and read those books and you will find the great joy in his heart when he's a prisoner for the gospel. You would think you'd be downcast and think it's over. No, he thinks it's an opportunity. Could you imagine being chained to him all day? You can't shut him up. He's always talking about Jesus and you need Jesus and are you saved and are you happy with your polytheism and like, man, I can't wait till my shift's over. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, uh, then after his first imprisonment would be 1 Timothy and Titus. 
And then after his second imprisonment, and then he's eventually executed by Nero, uh, is 2 Timothy, his final letter, where he says, I've run the race. I've, I've, I've lived my life well. No greater thing can a Christian say than, Lord, I followed you all the way to the end. I didn't, I didn't stoop. I stood. And so that's another way to look at it. But, um, uh, well, there's other ways to classify the book. I get too excited about thinking about the different ways. There's a third way to classify the books, uh, journey epistles. Uh, you read the book of Acts. He lists his journeys. He had three journeys, three missionary journeys. Um, so that would be First and Second Thessalonians, Galatians, First and Second Corinthians, and Romans are like journey epistles. Uh, and then his prison epistles would be the ones Colossians through Philippians, then pastoral epistles at the end, First and Second Timothy and Titus. Uh, which ones we are looking at? We are looking at group number one, the, uh, the end time letters. So if you want to really know how to live in the end time, uh, these, are, these are the letters. to pick. Not that the one, other ones don't have info on how to do that, but if you want some clear uh, understanding of, God, what do you want me to be doing as times are more complex? Well, that's this book, and that's why we're reading it. But it's not just about that. There's many other concepts, as we'll see, that are written into the book. So who wrote the book? Paul. Uh, he had two traveling partners, Sylvanus and Timothy, etc. Hey, you guys are doing good. We'll have a test next Sunday. So, so who was the book written to? Uh, that's easy. Thessalonians. Yeah. So uh, he wrote it to the Christians that were in Thessalonica. So he, this occurred on his second missionary journey. Um, so on his second missionary journey, uh, and I have a map uh, that I can show you regarding his journey. So this is a map that I put together uh, regarding his journey. So on his second missionary journey, he started in northern Syria in Seleucia, headed up to Lystra. Uh, in what is now modern-day Turkey. And Lystra is where he was uh, stoned uh, and left for dead uh, at one point for the faith, uh, then got up and continued. Can you imagine if you were actually physically stoned for preaching the gospel? You'd think that might just shut you down a little bit. Oh, no. He dusted himself off uh, and continued on uh, preaching the gospel in Iconium, Antioch. Then he travels in that journey to Troas, uh, he wanted to go to the northern part of Galatia, which was Bithynia, uh, but the Lord forbid him uh, and said, no, I need you to go to Macedonia. Uh, has God ever changed your plans? Yeah. I didn't plan on coming here. No, no, no East Coast. Are you kidding me? When I was actually looking for a church, um, I told, after being at my last church for almost 20 years, I told the Lord, okay, I, I think you need, want us to leave to go do something else. So I, I tell you, Lord, I, I will go to, I'm in California, so I will go to California. Oregon, Washington State, Nevada, Arizona, and maybe New Mexico. Colorado's pushing it. God's laughing from heaven. You're not going to any of those states. So anyway, so God has a way of changing your plan. So I'd rather be in the middle of his, his will than not in his will, because his will is better than your will. So if you're kicking against God because he brought you here, think again. Right? Amen? Thank you. It's Pentecostal church. Awesome. Um, <laughs> So when he, when, he, when he gets there, where'd the map go? I need the map. Yeah. Uh, God listens so quickly when you pray to him. Uh, so, so he goes to Samothrace. He goes to Neapolis. Uh, he travels over to Philippi. That's where he gets his first convert. Uh, in Acts 16, Lydia, the seller of purple, she's a wealthy woman. Uh, lots of great things happen there as he ministers to the Christians in Philippi. He goes from there to Amphipolis uh, and then Apollonia, and then eventually to the coastal city of Thessalonica. Um, He's traveling on what is called the Via Ignatia, the Roman road system that went from, uh, uh, basically went from uh, Rome across the sea over to the eastern coast of, or western coast of Macedonia. Here's a picture of, the, of that road. Uh, all the way over to Byzantium. Um, 
So this is, if you're on, it's not, it's not like the 395. There was probably not a lot of congestion like in our roads. Uh, and there's not, uh, there's wagons, there's horses, there's people walking. Uh, when I was in uh, Germany this summer uh, in, uh, in, the, in uh, Partenkirchen in the Alps, uh, they actually took us on a, a road trip one day. We went and hiked off into the forest. I'm like, where are we going? And in the middle of the forest, we found a Roman road. I was shaking it. It was good. It was very, it was, it was muy bueno. It was good. Walking on that old road, the stones laid in there, like, who drug all these stones out here? Unbelievable. That was the Roman road. So if you lived on a Roman road like that, that means that your city was probably wealthy because there's a lot of commerce going by. That means there's going to be a lot of ethnicities coming through your town, right? So who's around the throne of God at the end of the book of Revelation? Revelation. 